Good morning, Freshwater. As, as we were uh, singing there, just had this amazing picture. You did, probably most of you don't know what was going on, but it was just uh, it was really cool. It just struck me. Um, if you know Lanny and Karen Jones, um, their family is, is obviously going through loss. Karen's mom passed away uh, this past week. She was 97, right, Karen? Um, so she's in heaven singing that song, right? Like w- only one name, no name higher. And while she's in heaven, <clears throat> her great nephew is sitting over here for the first Sunday. Two weeks old, Adam, one week old. Same family, one's here in the presence of God, learning to grow up in the presence of God. The other's in the presence of God, revealed face to face. It's just this cool picture of uh, God's family and uh, legacies and, uh, and him being the focus of all of it. So just want to share that. I don't know, it's just powerful moments. So, uh, but our hearts are, are with you guys and um, just thinking of you, uh, Karen, and your family. Uh, this morning, I invite you to turn to John chapter 8. Uh, I'm not going to preach the first um, 12 verses of this. Pastor Sean preached this, uh, I think, a year or two ago, so go check out that, that sermon on that. He did a great job. I'm not going to repeat it. Um, John verses 1 through 11 are this woman who is caught in adultery, and she's used as a pawn to try to trap Jesus. It's, it's a horrible story uh, of what they try to do to this woman. They don't care about the woman. They're just trying to... the. Pharisees of that time, at least some of the Pharisees there just didn't care about people. They just wanted their own agenda. And it's, it's an awful story, and yet it's a beautiful story of redemption and grace and forgiveness. And, um, and then it, it goes into what, we would, what we're going to cover today, verse 12. Last week, uh, Norm preached John chapter 7, and it's part of uh, three chapters here are all in one week in Jesus' life. It's the week of the booths or the festival of the booths, the festival of um, the, um, oh, I'm off my notes here. What's the name of it? Ah, I just forgot it. Festival of the booth. What? Tabernacle. Thank you. I couldn't find it. Tabernacle. So it's fall. They always celebrate the harvest and the idea that God is providing for them, right? So it's in time or it's in sync with also this festival of the Booth's Tabernacle, which is this moment in Israel's history when God said, I want you to forever remember every year and have this festival where you make these little booths and you get you and your family in them for a week and you hang out and you remember what I did for you back during the Exodus. And so the families would build these things uh, kind of like that and live in them for a whole week long. And they'd be littered all over Jerusalem and around Jerusalem. So Jesus, this is going on while Jesus is there, and Jesus may have actually stayed in one of these things, um, which is kind of a, a, cool, a cool thing to think about. But the reason they did that is that's kind of what the Israelites lived in during those years in the wilderness. They didn't have any permanent structures because they were always moving, and so they lived in these booths, tabernacles, as it were. And God wanted them to remember his provision for them. Didn't want them to ever forget how he had provided for them food, water, how there was a flame, right, that was burning at night for them. And there was a cloud during the day that would give them direction, gave them protection, and always this assurance of promise that he was with them and he was leading them into this land. Never wanted them to forget it. One of the things, though, that happened during this week was they had these 
four menorahs, right? These big candles. They were 75 feet tall. So this is 24 feet right up there to the white ceiling there. So 75 feet, do the math, a little bit higher, um, right? And up at the top of these 75-foot candles, they were menorahs, was this big basin of oil. And these priests, I don't, uh, somebody drew the short straw, as it were. Somebody had to shimmy up those things at a ladder. So they would literally climb all the way up to the top and light these things during this festival. And it was said that Jerusalem was lit up as if it were day. So you see the, the picture up there, like it's this amazing picture and, and, and a week where they're looking at light, right, during the night. And it's part of, that flame is part of how Jesus or God was the light for Israel during the Exodus. At night, that flame was always burning when Israel was in that Exodus time. And they light that as a memory and a celebration and, and a reminder that God is their light. So in the middle of that, Jesus, having just got done with this whole thing with this woman and, and really just giving this grace, and you can read that, he then says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He doesn't say the light of Jerusalem. He doesn't say the light of Israel. He says the light of the world. The scope of this is unbelievable. Like they're thinking, hey, we're going to celebrate Israel. And he's saying, I am the light of the entire world. Jesus says now his second I am statement. There's seven of them in the book of John. It's one of the distinctives of John's book is recording seven different statements where Jesus says I am. This is number two. Now the I am statements are big statements because it, it all starts and you have to go back to Exodus again because G, or God, I gotta say God the Father at that point because Jesus isn't revealed yet but um, you can say Jesus I guess it works but um, he sends Moses, right, to set Israel free, right? Let my people go, kind of thing. And Moses is like, well, who am I going to say sent me? And in that moment, God, for the first time, introduces himself by name to Moses and to this world. Exodus chapter 3, it says this. God says, oh, if you want to introduce them and tell them who I am, say this. I am who I am. The word is, the, the name is Yahweh, the, the Hebrew translation. The scribes saw this word as so sacred, they would never even write it down. They wouldn't say it out loud. It was the sacred name that was only God's name. I am. And Jesus comes in and he takes that and he uses this and he, he self-appropriates it. And he says, I am seven different times. I am the light of the world. This is a huge statement because it is a claim at deity. He drops it, and here we go. Here starts the third informal trial, as it were. We talked about one in chapter five, which is about a year, I think, or a year and a half before this moment right here. Chapter 7, 
was the, uh, the second informal trial. Norm talked about that last week. This is the third one. This is the third informal trial where they're trying to trap Jesus and, and nail him so they can just get rid of him, right? And, and there's two parts to this informal trial in chapter 8. There is one with the Pharisees, and there's one with these people that all of a sudden say, hey, we're followers, we're in. And, and so we're going to see the chapter pivot between the focusing on these two. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you, you will not live in darkness. You will have the light of life. And immediately they know what he's claiming. The I am statement is a big statement. They say, who are you? Right? Basically, they go, you're bearing witness about yourself in verse 13. Your testimony is not true. So they're going back to this whole law. If you go back to chapter 5, there's like, oh, there's all these rules for how you do court hearings and trials. And, and you can't just give testimony without another witness. And so they're saying, oh, you're just all talking about yourself and there's nobody else around, so you're lying. Your testimony is false. And so here we go. Jesus says, even if I bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. He's like, I'm, I'm telling the truth, so whether I do it or don't do it, it's still true. For I know where I come from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one, yet... Even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it's written that the testimony of two people is true. I'm the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Jesus effectively says, I don't want to hear it. Don't, don't come at me with this stuff. He says, I'm telling the truth, like whether you know it or not. And he says, and your standard of judgment is all based on human standards. It's, it's all appearances. It's all only what you know, and you don't know everything. You don't even know who I am. You don't even know where I'm from. And he says, and by the way, my testimony isn't false because I also have someone who's testifying for me, the Father. And they don't know him, but according to the law, that works. You get two witnesses, you get the, the, the one, the person, and then you get a witness, and the testimony is validated. And, and so they ask the question, well, who, who's your father? And this starts a theme now that's going to go through the whole informal trial. Who, who's father? This whole idea of fatherhood and who's dad and who are you from becomes a major theme, not only with the first part of this trial, but the second part as well. And, and Jesus says, look, you know neither me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. As if he's saying, look, I'm not going to get involved in your game. You don't even know me, let alone the father. And these spoke, words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, no one arrested him. Why would he say that? Well, because what he's claiming is to be God. And he should be arrested because that's blasphemy, but nobody does it. Why? Well, that's because it's not the Father's time. And I love that little just kind of editorial drop. Boop. Right there. Like, nobody is doing nothing unless the Father says. Let's just keep this story straight, right? Or let's keep this whole thing in perspective. No one is doing anything unless the Father gives permission. So he keeps going. He says, I'm going away and you will seek me and you'll die in your sin. Where I'm going, you can't come. And the Jews are like, is he going to kill himself? Since he said, where am I going, you can't come. Close. They're close. Really close, but wrong. Wrong person that's doing the killing. And here's Jesus. He starts to drop the first, what we would call Easter eggs, right? And I'm not talking from a chicken. Uh, we're talking about Easter eggs, right? The, the, the foreshadowing, the, the hint of what's to come. 
And so he starts to drop these all over the place as he, as he speaks. The first one is, I'm going away. That's a drop, like, where are you going, right? And you're gonna seek me, you'll, you'll, you will die in your sins, right? Where I'm going, you cannot come. And he says, you're from below, I'm from above, you're of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. He's saying, look, you guys are looking for the Messiah. You're on the hunt. You're on an Easter hunt for the Messiah. I'm right here. Hello. I'm about to go away, and you guys are going to completely miss it, and you're still going to be on this hunt for the Messiah, and you're going to miss the whole thing because I've already come, gone, died, raised to life. I'm over there, and you're back there looking like, hey, um, bro, like you missed it. I'm right in front of you. And he just goes on. He's like, I'm, I'm, you're from below. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. And he, he says something here because sins, sins now becomes a theme. As you go out of the first 11 verses where it was all about sin, right, and, and judgment, and now Jesus is starting to say, oh, and then everybody dropped the rocks. You remember that? Like, he who is innocent, he who doesn't have any guilt, cast the first stone. And all you hear is the plop, 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 rocks drop people, Right? He's pulling that theme back in. Chapter 8 has all of that wrapped into this. And he says, you're of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you you would die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. And it's a, it's a reference to the Messiah. So they say to him, well, who are you? As if he hasn't been clear. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I, I have much to say about you, much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And they didn't understand that he'd been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, another Easter egg, <laughs> then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone. I, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So who are you? He is directly connected to him and the Father, who he is. He and the Father are one, right? And what he does is only because he sees the Father doing it. And, and there's this submission piece. There's this, he's the Messiah. He's saying this. He's hinting at this. And he pulls it back to God the Father. And they're trying to figure it out. They think, they know, but they don't know And as he finishes saying this, here's the statement that's shocking. Many people believed. You see that verse right there? Many people believed. Verse 30. So he's not so like opaque and indirect that nobody understands what he's saying. They understand what he's saying. He's talking about sin. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about being the light of the world. He's taking a, an a, a scripture out of Isaiah where the Messiah will come. Behold, a light has come into the world, right? Those who are in darkness have seen a great light. He's taking all of that and, and he's placing that on himself so they know what he's saying. I'm the Messiah. It's not confusing to them. And they believe. And so then the Pharisees fade out and all of a sudden you've got the next remaining verses here in chapter 8. Jesus is addressing those who believe in him. 
And what you find is that Jesus refuses to let people keep folk theology. You ever heard of folk tales, right? Aesop, fables, whatever, Greek mythology, all the folk tales, right? They're not true. There may be truisms in it, but it's not true stories. There's nothing about it that's true. Syncretism, you ever heard of that? Where you take a, a little bit of this faith and a little bit of that faith and you sync it together, right? Jesus will not allow folk theology in our faith with him. He just won't. And what he starts to do right here is say, wait a minute, you, you guys are all believing in me. Let's, let's just talk about what it means to believe in me for a second. And then we'll see where everybody falls out at the end. So he says this, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple and will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now keep in mind, he's in the context of sin and they understand that, right? They, they're talking about this whole idea of sin. They've just seen that happen with that woman. He's just said, you will die in your sins unless you believe in me. So he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free from spiritual bondage, from condemnation, from guilt, from judgment, all that stuff. So they understand all that, and they go, well, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You see their folk theology? It's my parents. Look at the family I was born in. As long as I've grown up in the right family, in the right nation, I'm saved. So they say, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. We're, Abraham's our father. Like, we're good. And, and they don't understand that just because you are physically descended from somebody doesn't guarantee that you have this get-out-of-jail-free card, this I-get-to-go-to-heaven, you know, give it to God, I'm in, because I'm related to him. But that was their folk theology. It was never, if you read in the Old Testament, it was never how it was meant to be, ever. And so they appeal to him going, wait a minute, we're not slaves to sin. Even though everyone, and well, I don't know how many, how many of them, the Pharisees were for sure dropping rocks just a few minutes earlier, so nobody's free from sin. They're all, they all have that story in the back of their mind, that moment that just happened where people are like, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah I'm, not, I'm not innocent. I got stuff. I've done stuff. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Anyone who had a rock and dropped it is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. He's like, I, he just says, Look, I know who you are. I know you guys all come from Abraham. Like, do we really have to talk about that? Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, great. I know you're all from Abraham. But you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father and you do not. And, and you do what you have heard from your father. So he introduces the concept that there's a different father than the one they think they have. He doesn't say who it is. And you're like, uh-oh, here we go. This is it. 
And so they come back and they go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying God the Father's not our father, but you're saying we have a different father, but you didn't use the, the name Abraham, so this whole other father. So they come back kind of indignant. Abraham's our father. Like, Abraham's our father. Like, they say it again, like as if Jesus didn't hear him. And he said, look, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That's not what Abraham did. You're doing the works of your, your, that your father did. So stop right here. Um, you have to understand what Abraham did in order to understand what Jesus is talking about here, right? So go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 15, chapter 17. And there's more after that that you could have encounters of God with Abraham. But these specific chapters had these encounters, God with Abraham. And what happened every time God came to Abraham? God appeared to Abraham. God spoke to Abraham. God said something to Abraham. God appeared to Abraham, right? Every single time, what did Abraham do? He believed. He didn't argue. He never argued. Not once. Not once. Uh, there is one moment I think it's chapter 17 or after chapter 17 where, where Abraham's like, God, you did say I was going to have a nation, right? And I'm old. How is this even going to happen? That was right when he got the promise about having Isaac. But every time Abraham believed and then acted on it, believed and then worked that out, believed and worked it out, so much so that chapter 15 of Genesis, it says this, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was given righteousness because of faith, because of how quickly, how soft his heart was to God, how much he wanted to respond to God. That's the works of Abraham. And so Jesus is like, dude, if you were Abraham's children, you wouldn't be acting like this. You would be quick to respond in faith. But at every point, you want to kill me. Every point, you're resisting me. You're not the children of Abraham. You've got a different father. And they said to him, we weren't born out of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And, and you're like, if you, if you read this for the first time, it doesn't make any sense. Like, what in the world are they talking about? Like, that wasn't even on the radar for Jesus. Like, what? So, here's the other piece, and you'll find out here as we get down there's a whole thing between Jews and Samaritans. You guys ever heard of the Good Samaritan and that whole story and how they're like, it's impossible for Samaritan to be kind or whatever or godly or something like that. Well, Jews hated Samaritans, thought the Samaritans were illegitimate children. Samaritans, by chance, thought the Jews were illegitimate, hated them, and they, they were all just like, they all hated each other, right? And so they think Jesus is actually now taking sides with Samaritans. And, and they're, you know, the whole age-old generation, centuries-old animosity and arguments and whatever. And so that's why they say we're not born out of sexual morality because that's, that's what the Samaritans would say about the Jews. We have one Father, even God. And Jesus is not even talking about the Samaritans. He's just not. So he doesn't even go there. He says, if God were your Father, he just keeps going on with his own thought. If God were your Father, you would love me. I came from God, and I'm here. I came out of my own accord, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Or why don't you understand what I say? It's because you can't bear to hear my word. 
You are of your father, the devil. Oh, snap. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he's a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I love this. Think about it. He's just come out of that marketplace with that woman. And he says, who here is going to condemn me of sin? I wasn't dropping any rocks back there, if you noticed. Right? Oh, and they all know. Everyone there standing there is guilty of sin. He's like, who here condemns me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever is, God, whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. He's saying this to these people that say, we believe you're Messiah. And he's like, nah, I'm not buying it. Not at all. And he says something that is just so striking. Your father, your father is the devil. And your will is to do the father's desire. Slaves to sin, you become slave of that owner, part of that tree. It's a hard truth. It's an offensive truth. Yeah. Anyone offended? <laughs> Satan's not some pretend fairy tale some fanciful spirit to scare little kids into obedience. Um, he's real. He's the father of all lives. Anyone who does not believe in Jesus, Jesus says that, is a child of Satan, a slave to him in his clutches, in his change. But before you despair, before you get offended, understand this is why Jesus came, is to pull people out of that family. That's why Jesus came. And before you get too offended, understand, that's why Jesus actually died on the cross. Like, he, he cares so much. He doesn't want that. And that's why he was willing to obey the Father and come and be nailed on the cross to pull people out of that family. He's, put, he's got skin in the game. This isn't just some, like, condemnation from afar. This is condemnation. I'm here to do something about it. I'm here to take some people out of it. Because whom the sun sets free, whom the sun sets free, it's one of the best passages in the Bible. Verse 36, and the Jews answer him. Oh, so here we go, name calling. Now, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan? So here it is. This is where they think he's going. And they have a demon so uh, it's the whole name-calling, mud-slinging. As long as we can just insult him enough, we don't have to listen to him. And Jesus says, look, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father. You dishonor me. 
I don't seek my own glory. There's one who seeks it, and he's a judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he keeps coming back to the word. John starts this book with, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He keeps hammering the word. What is the word? It is him, and it's everything about him that he has come as the Messiah to save this world from sin and judgment. And he says, you don't keep my word. You don't want this word that talks about how you're a slave to sin, how you're in Satan's family. You don't want it. And the Jews say, now we know you have a demon because Abraham died, right? Oh, he, he says, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. Now we know that you have a demon because Abraham died just as the prophets did. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And, and they're getting to the point here where, yeah, it's, it's getting clear. Jesus said, look, if I glorify myself, I'm not going to do this to you. I'm not going to get all shiny and do some crazy sign right now. He says, I'm not going to play your game. That's what he's saying here. So if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he's our God. But you haven't known him. I know him. If I were to say that I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to kill him. And Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Who's your father? What works are you doing to show whose father you have? That's what this is all about. I wonder, would Jesus come, the prayer of so many of us have been over the years, and I think there's so many of us in the room, the prayer is, Lord, that when you would come, you would find us worshiping the one true father, that we would be children of the father. That we would know the Father, what we would do in the works of Abraham, that whenever God said do, we would do. Whenever God said come and I am, we would believe immediately and then respond accordingly. And, and the first one, right out of the gate, the easiest one, the low-hanging fruit, the obvious one Jesus is saying is, look, I have come to set people free from sin. Believe and respond with that belief. This past week, uh, there's just some great stories happening uh, in the life of our church um, throughout, the, throughout these last months, uh, last year. And so often I don't tell the stories because they're so, they're private, they're personal, right? And I just don't, it's one of these things. And then we, it's so big. How do we get somebody up here to share your story in front of, you know, 700 people online and and it's just kind of hard to do that. So I've asked permission. I'm going to try to say more of the stories that go on so you guys know what's going on because I'm telling you, Christ right now, it, this last week, some of the stories that happened, Christ is over here going, that's my family. These are people I'm setting free. So this past week at Encounter, um, there were several stories that just that happened out of that. Um, 
encounters on Tuesday nights, every other week. You might want to jump in sometime. It's, 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 a, lot of, it's a lot of fun. Um, so we, we start out the night, and, and I ask permission to share these stories um, with them. And, and each person said, look, if my story can help somebody else, fire it up, do it. And uh, so one story is we're praying, we broke up, and we had some time of worship, and then we broke up, and we we're praying for each other. And uh, w- one guy was just talking about uh, work and, and the stress at work and the people at work and his response. Like he knew he was like one of the only Christians there. And he just knows that God is saying, look, I, I want you to respond differently. And, and so as we're talking through that, and it's, it's cool. Like he's, he's in this moment, and he's hearing God, and he's responding. And uh, so we start praying for him. And the, the prayer just goes towards, you know, God, fill him with light. God, make every step of his light. Make, make his, his whole being, like where he goes in that company, like it's just light. Like there's darkness everywhere, but not him, not wherever he goes, he brings light. And as that prayer is going on, we, we get done. And it was like, well, what do you sense from God? He's like, man, he says, my, my shoulders were all hot. He says, I'm totally sweating. And he's like, and I'm, I said, well, what do you sense? He's like, it's God. Like that's God. And, and there is something connected with light. And I just, I know he's, he's doing this. I'm like, well, that's cool or hot. Um, so, and that's, that's just God affirming, right? That's God moving. And so a few minutes later, I'm, I'm praying with his wife. And as we're just going through that, the question comes up, so, so why are you here? Oh, no, and I don't know why you're here tonight or what, what's God doing. I can't remember what, what it was. But we just stopped and we prayed and said, Lord, what, what do you want to do right now? Um, with her what do you what do you want to show her and and immediately she gets a phrase and another person gets a phrase and and it's she says it and she goes let it go that's the phrase i'm getting and the person right next to her is like that's the phrase i just got was let it go so what do you have to let go and that that opened a whole door to a lot of pain a lot of betrayal and she's been working through this saying yes to Christ at each point and forgiveness and not wanting to live in bitterness and, and moving towards healing. But there was just this peace. God is saying to her, it's time for you to, to finally let it all go. And before I'd asked her that, this is why. I was like, no, no, there's something else. I said, why are you here tonight? And she said, I want, I want God to light my family my marriage on fire. I'm like, what did you just say? Yeah, like I want, I said, do you know what just happened to your husband? He almost got smoked, like right over here. Like you should ask him. And so he's telling, yeah, we were praying. I'm hot. I'm like, there's burning and heat. And, and I was like, well, let's do this thing. So she, she in the name of Jesus, right? Because people who hear the father do what Abraham do. What do you want, Lord? Right? Set me free, Lord. I'll do it. And in the name of Christ, she lets it go. She lets it go, and you just, if you could have seen her, she's just praying, and then it's gone in the name of Christ, and you just see her, like this weight goes off her, and she literally drops in her chair like three or four inches. Free. Free. But it doesn't end there. There's another person that came that night, 
And as the night went on, we got to the point, uh, somehow the conversation, I was in it and just said, what, um, why are you here tonight? And it just fear overcame. Just, and it was already there. There was a lot of anxiety I could tell and then just fear. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? And she's like, I, um, just terrified to talk. And she said, I, I, was, I, am, I didn't want to come tonight. I was absolutely afraid of coming tonight. And I said, well, well why? Because I know what God wants me to do. And I'm like, well, what does God want you to do? And she said, I have to confess. She's like, you don't know my past and what I've done, but God will not let me go from this night without confessing. And I said, I said, how about this? How about you make this move right now? to say, Lord, I am now putting this out before people that I have, I have stuff I need to confess. But let's not go into all that. Let's get you with a woman. Let's get you in a place where you're protected. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking John 8, and I'm thinking people with stones. And the last thing this woman needs is rocks. She needs safety, and she needs a place where people will love her and say, oh, let, let's, let's have you get free because, man, when the sun sets you free, oh, is anybody free? When the sun sets you free, so she, in the name of Christ, just says, Lord, I confess it and I want to do what you want to do. And you should see the freedom. The fear is gone. And she wants to walk that path. I, I talked to her yesterday. She said, I'm fasting now. I'm fasting because I, I can't wait for this. I want to get this done and I want to move forward. That's what Jesus does. He's the light of life and he brings light and he shines it where darkness is and he says, will you respond? Will you be a child like Abraham and respond to the father? Will you, will you respond to the light? And other times the light is different, right? So there's one more story. I mean, there's a lot more stories. Like Encounter has been going on. There's so many stories and I'm just tired of sitting on them all. Um, so this other story, this happened. So Later in the night, um, the, the guy who, who was smoked, um, we're praying for him. <laughs> I, I just love that word. It, just, it wasn't part of my notes. Um, so anyway, we're just asking for a word from the Lord, and, and somebody got a word from the Lord for this guy. Um, there, there's a wall. I don't know what the wall is, but there's a wall. Does that mean anything to you? And he, and he goes, after just sitting there for a few seconds, goes, yeah, there's a wall between me and God. And I said, okay. So I, I, I was there, and I'm like, well, you guys got that. I'm, I'm going off. But come back later, and, and he doesn't want the wall there. So I said, should you take the wall down? And he goes, well, no, I'm going to start working on it. And I'm like, and I'm, I, I know God wants me to start living this way and doing this stuff. I'm like, well, that's great, but why leave the wall there? Let's tear that bad boy down. Like, don't you want to just tear the wall down, get rid of the wall, and then move and and so I was like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, is that legal kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, 
So I just said, oh, this isn't hard. You know what the wall represents. So why don't you just say, in the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, I got the wall there. I, I receive your forgiveness. And in the name of Christ, I command any demon connected to this wall because that's a spiritual thing, right? If you go back here, there's a father here of lies, right? That, that is sowing lies that, gives, that we give control to. And, and that wasn't just any kind of like wall. That was a spiritual evil wall. And, and so... And he said, you what for? And he goes, yeah. So I said, all right, well, you do it. And so he prays this prayer. And when he gets to the part where he says, in the name of Christ, I command any demon connected to this wall to leave. I'm done with you. I'm done with your control. And this wall, get out. And as soon as he does, you just sit. There's a power in the room. And he looks up. And he's like, did you sense that? And I go, I did. Did you sense that? And he's like, yeah. And he says, I sensed there was some kind of a being that literally stepped away from me and left. See, when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. For, uh, for church, <laughs> folks, church, um, oh, I could just go on and on. Um, I just want to tell you these stories because there is, there is a momentum, there is a group of us. There is more of us wanting to say yes to the Father and wanting more. There are families here who are saying, set me on fire. This is the church, right? I don't care about COVID. I don't care about Washington. Set us on fire. I don't care about Democrats. I don't care about Republicans. Set us on fire. He's the light of the world. If we follow him, there's no darkness. There is the light of life in us. I'm done. Lord, send them. Send them with light. Everyone right now, Lord, bring your light for those, Lord, who may be hiding stuff and it's terrifying. Bring your light of mercy. Shine it on them and get them free. Set us ablaze, God. Set us ablaze. Put us on a 75-foot candelabra lit up by Jesus. Not because we have passion and not because we have strength and not because we have some kind of heritage, just because we've been set free by the Messiah. We have been freed. Oh, Lord. Fill us with your light. Light us up. Thank you, Lord, that you are the I am, the light 